Welcome to this new edition of the Igloo. More to come on the recent news of, you know, the transfer portal, so on and so forth. But we're switching it up. We're kicking it off with an interview segment. Uh, last episode, I had a Creighton Blue Jay on there, Maurice Watson. And the Creighton trend will only continue. He was a power forward for the Jays. During the years in which I was at Seton Hall, same years, 2014 to 18, it was part of some very good Creighton squads that turned the tide um, after Doug McDermott, uh, the greatest player in the history of the program, graduated. So uh, joining me now, who is now an AAU coach and a new dad, uh, Toby Hagner. Toby, welcome to the Igloo, my man. Appreciate it. Really appreciate you having me. It's a little cold in here, but I'm going to let that slide for a little bit, just so you know. <laughs> you you know the the style of humor right off the bat. You're reminding me a lot of Mitch Ballack because he was very much playing into the because uh, the first question I asked him. So why did you choose Creighton? First thing he said is because when I graduate, I get to be on the igloo. No, that's a funny story to not break right into it. But I've known Mitch since he was probably 13 years old. Um, he was coming around Creighton and you know just really great kid and basketball player and always came to workouts and stuff in the summer to get better and uh, I mean Mitch is Mitch is one of my guys to be honest so it doesn't really surprise me that he was uh, a little bit of a clown that's, and he also that he also invited like me to dollar he also invited me to dollar beer night, even though I don't drink for the atmosphere well you got experience yeah that's that's the atmosphere is what it's about, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, the dollar beers are nice, but you know, dollar beer night's only an hour long before the game even starts. It's not like it's, you know, the entire game, people are getting hammered the entire time. It's still, it's still a basketball game at the end of the day, just with a little bit of cheap beer in the beginning of it. So maybe they're a little bit rowdier, I guess, <laughs> but yeah, um, you gotta, you gotta feel them a little, sure. gotta, gotta feel them a little bit to get, you know, get, get in the, get in the game time mood and, you know, set the animosity. But so, I mean, let's, let's rewind it all the way back nine, 10 years ago. You know, you're a kid from the state of Wisconsin and you're in the driver's seat to at six foot 10, essentially you were almost like, ahead of the time almost because obviously Steph Curry kind of accelerated with everyone becoming a shooter, but you were kind of ahead of your time, 6'10 guy who could shoot. Um, and that fit in perfectly with what um, Coach McDermott had set up at Creighton with a lot of similar guys like that. Um, was the decision easy to go to Creighton? What other schools were you considering? Yeah. Jeez. Um, you know, back in, in my day, I, I really wasn't known as a shooter. I was I was I was a capable shooter is probably the best way to kind of break it down now um going into college. Um so realistically, you know, I, I think I only shot like 23s my senior year of high school and I was you know, I was averaging 20 and 12 or whatever. So I was getting a lot of my stuff more done, you know, within six, eight, twelve feet and kind of going to work. Um so when I got to Creighton, I just I kind of learned my role quickly of what needed to happen and where I needed to be to play on the floor and you know and at times it was where I needed to go in the post and stuff like that but majority of the stuff I was setting screens and guarding my guy and doing whatever I can and to, to help the team you know be successful and you know that's not always filling up the stat sheets it's it's doing some of the dirty work you know like knowing that you're a hall guy you know be it battling with Angel for a little bit is it's 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 a lot of work at times so you know that was uh 
that was kind of my job. And, and I, I accepted my job because I knew that's what would, uh, one, get me on the floor and play in big games. And it was, uh, two, it, you know, it's what needed to be done to further my career a little bit. Um, but going into going, well, I chose Creighton at a very, very early part of my career. Um, just because I actually, uh, Creighton was the first team and first program to actually give me a chance and offer me. Um, it was kind of a funny scenario. I was, I was in the line at UNI's elite camp signing up with my dad and McDermott called me and they were in the Missouri Valley at the time. And he knows Jacobson really well being that Mac was at Northern Iowa and all that. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, how's it going, Mac? You know, I'm sitting here at, you know, going, going to meet Ben here quick. And he's like, Oh, what are you doing there? I'm at the elite camp. And he's like, well, us here at Creighton want to give you an give you an offer and, and and give you the opportunity to play here as full ride scholarship. I'm like, if you're offering me in the, the sign up line for uh, Northern Iowa's uh, elite camp. And he's like, yeah, sure. Shit. I am. This is, this is how it goes. And it was, it was, it was quite the experience, you know, but you know, all said and done, I think I had 20 or 16, 20 offers to choose from, from North, South, East, West coast, whatever you, you name it. Um, and I actually uh, committed pretty early in my junior season of AAU, you know, which is obviously a big time to kind of pick up some of those later, bigger named offers. Um, but I knew pretty early on that Creighton was the place for me there in the Valley. I thought I could be successful in the Valley and have a, have a really successful career and have a good time doing it while getting a good education while doing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not too far from home, but you know, I'm far enough away where I got to grow up and, and, and learn to fend on my, on my own. Um, so that's kind of what ultimately led to, uh, going to Creighton. You know, I love the coaches, love the atmosphere. I mean, you can't, you can't beat playing in front of 17,000 people at night. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of places in the country that give you that opportunity. So it, uh, it definitely, uh, Omaha sold itself for me at least. And I, I think another selling point granted, you know, when you committed, Creighton hadn't yet joined the Big East, but, you know, I feel like watching from afar, um, was there a little added excitement to shift from, okay, Missouri Valley, you obviously know where you're getting into, but seeing them play in this new league with a lot more exposure, I feel like that must have enticed you a lot more. I mean, it definitely was intriguing, but at the time, you know, I just wanted to play basketball. I wasn't reading the newspapers. I wasn't reading the articles you know, whatever coach Mac and the coaches told me what's going on is what was going on. And I didn't think twice about it. You know, it, as, as much as I want to tell you, yeah, it had something to do with it. You know, I knew going to the Mo Valley that I had a chance of having a very successful career at 610, being able to shoot it. And, and I wasn't the most athletic person in the world, but I knew how to use my body. Um, but you know, then moving to the big East, it, it kind of, uh, took a 180 for me. And, you know, I kind of had to adapt my game a little bit and, you know, guard, guarding the four is not like guarding the four in the Mo Valley. It's guarding the five is even not like guarding the five in the Mo Valley. You got a lot better players that you're guarding. And, you know, I think uh, there was four NBA guys on that Villanova team back in 2017, 2018, 2016 timeframe. So, you know, it's, it's, that's just a whole different realm of, of, of basketball players that you're playing against every given night. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really think it played a role in it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful that Mac and, and the rest of the crew kept faith with me, you know, throughout that period. Cause I was a Mo Valley recruit, you know, I could have, uh, it could have easily made that move and said, Hey, Toby, see you later, buddy. You know, I don't think you can make it kind of thing. 
Um, but they ended up fighting with me and, and teaching me and bringing me along the way and giving me some life lessons of adversity and fighting through for what you want and, you know, some stuff that I can never be uh, more grateful for. And you really had to grow up pretty quickly. I mean, this was, again, year one post-Doug graduating and moving on uh, to the pros. And as a freshman, you got a lot of starts, and this was a team that – all. You almost had your entire starting five, with the exception of Austin Chapman, gone. So for you to be assimilated into the starting lineup pretty early and often, uh, I mean, what was that adjustment like? And I mean, tell me what it was like, you know, going up against some of the bigs, um, some of the great bigs in the Big East, um, even yeah. at that time with Stainbrook and Joshua Smith, so on and so forth. I mean, what kind of adjustment? was there and um tell me about you know just the experiences of, you know seeing all these biggie cities and big time arenas too yeah no i mean i was fortunate enough that i redshirted my true freshman year and i was able to get a year underneath my belt and darting dudge every day in practice and darting ethan Rodgy, who you got to dart as soon as he steps across half court kind of guy you know it's it definitely helped me grow up pretty quickly from a, from a defensive standpoint. But, you know, once those guys left, they, they left a mark on that university that said, Hey, listen, we don't want anything but success and we're going to do whatever it takes to be successful. And, you know, that was a little tough for us that first year. Um, you know, I was, I was about as uh, consistent as a roller coaster is going straight. You know, I was up and down as much as possible and, you know, and, and you can't expect too much from a freshman who's, kind of being dealt the hand that he was. And, you know, I, I really wish I would have taken more advantage of some of those opportunities. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Big East, even my freshman year, wasn't bad at all. You know, I mean, Stainbrook was a, was a bus and was a load himself. I was fortunate enough that at that time I was playing the four. Um, but, um, you know, it was, it was an experience. And, and then you're right. I had to grow up pretty fast. I, I, you know, I got slapped in the face real quick and said, Hey, listen, either uh get back up and you push back or or you, you you just give up and and that wasn't really my mentality growing up so it was it was a good life experience too because there's plenty of times where you get knocked back down and you just had to get back up and keep keep pushing forward keep putting the left foot in front of the right foot and keep walking um kind of ordeal so um it was great you know man i i love chad i love jeff i love all those dudes ricky cracklow zach i'm i'm still i still communicate with a lot of those dudes back you know, that was over 10 years ago now, thinking about it. And they're 10 years ago, almost exact, pretty freaking close, actually, which is terrifying. Um, but I still talk to a lot of those guys. I, I mean, at weddings and stuff, we all run into each other and it's, it's, it's a blast. You know, I'm grateful for those, uh, not only the opportunity to play basketball, but to meet some really cool dudes. And you talk about, you know, you know, turning it in, laying down, waving the white flag, whatever metaphor you want to use. You guys started 0-8 in Big East play, and you could have <laughs> easily phoned it in. And But the thing is, you guys lost a bunch of close games, I think like yeah. three or maybe even four one-point losses. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, what really, you know, flipped the switch for you guys? I mean, started with a win over St. John's, but you got some other really good wins, including an overtime win at Centos, which I believe that was their first loss in that building that season. Yeah, it was, uh, there, there was a lot of growth that year. Um, I think we ended up losing at the end of the year, like seven or eight games by less than four points. You know, that's, 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 uh, that's a pride thing a little bit too, you know, as a coach, you know, nowadays I tell my kids, listen, every, every possession matters. Every, every single thing counts, every turnover matters. And, you know, you look back at those games, listen, 
one point, two points, four points. That's two possessions. That's a charge or, or that's a turnover. That's, that's an offensive rebound you could have had. Every, every single thing matters. And I think that's where the growth came from was we came to realize that, listen, we got to take care of the basketball. We got to make, we got to make each possession count and we, we got to do what we got to do um, on the defensive end to execute our strategies. And, uh, you know, that St. John's win was, I mean, it felt like we won the Super Bowl that day, man. And, and I was fortunate enough. I played really well that game. I think I ended up with like 21 and I think I had four free throws in the final 14 seconds to kind of seal the deal. And I went four for four kind of thing. So I was kind of riding high after that game too. And, you know, it, it felt good to get that win. And then we kind of just rode that wave a little bit. And again, we were up and down a little bit, but we definitely uh, matured um, throughout that season and, and took some things that that helped us grow for next season because realistically we didn't lose a lot of parts going into my sophomore year so it it, it definitely helped us uh, win some more basketball games moving forward in our careers and i think that's a perfect segue because you know coming off a you know tied for ninth finish um did really well job did really well in biggie's term he dismantled the paul and he hung tough with a the last Georgetown team before, you know, they won the biggest tournament a couple of years ago that made the NCAA tournament. Uh, but going into 16, you know, that's when Mo Watson is eligible to play. And to think you still had Marcus Foster, Justin Patton waiting, you know, lying in the weeds for n- the following year, you're picked to finish ninth. I still, I, I'll never forget that DePaul, DePaul was picked to finish above you guys in the preseason poll. Um, so for you guys to be picked to finish ninth, I, that must have added a chip on your shoulder given how you guys finished the year. And now you get a very good point guard um, coming into now eligible to play. That must have lit a fire under you guys. Yeah, definitely. Maurice, as, as you know, and the people know, Maurice, Maurice has a, a certain level of expectation when it comes to playing the game of basketball and, and it's, it's, it's greatness. You know, there's a big reason why he's still playing to this day. Um, you know, with his family and everything, like he just, he is a, he's a motivator. He, he helps kind of drive that train. And, and that's truly what you're looking for from a point guard standpoint. You're looking for a guy to, to be that floor general and, and kind of help drive that bus and, and, and move you guys forward. And I really, truly think that, that bringing Maurice on helped us out a lot. And then you bring in transfer from Nevada, Cole Huff, who, oh, yeah. who brings a, a gigantic spark the, in his last two years. And it, it kind of foreshadowed me into, into a dark place personally as an athlete, you know, being, you know, a starter and then you lose your starting role to this guy and, you know, and then, then what do you do? You know, it's kind of that moment again of, well, it's either you get back up or you shut up kind of scenario. And, you know, I just tried to be the best teammate that I could personally be, you know, cheering on my guys and, and doing whatever I took in a, on a practice floor standpoint to then getting a, a little bit of minutes and, and doing what I can during those minutes and stuff. But, you know, it's, it, it was a little bit hard to, to, to be pit ninth right there, but it definitely was a motivator 1000% because I can guarantee you all summer long when we were in the weight room and conditioning and stuff like that, we were all chomping at the bit to be like, listen, we're improve ourselves. And, you know, ever since pretty much that year, we've kind of, we haven't really looked back as a university, you know, we've, we've had some success, we've had some, some failures, you know, but there's always been success in the trading program since then. Exactly. And, and again, you know, obviously we all know 2020, you know, that Creighton team was going to be in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, even without Zagorowski could have gone deep, but since 16, Really haven't missed a single postseason since then. I, you got all goes back to that 16 season. 
And the way you guys started Big East play was tremendous. I think you started five and two or something like that. And you got some good quality wins. You beat Butler at home. Um, but after some, you know, slipping and sliding, you lose three in a row to fall to 500 in the league. You beat DePaul and the first big signature win. I know you beat Oklahoma in your freshman season, but Xavier meant a lot more because it's that's when Xavier top five team in the country and it's later in the season. So teams are more molded into their identity. But I mean, tell me about what that signature win was like, not just beating a high powered Xavier team like that, but holding them to, I believe of season lows, 56 points. You know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. I'm pretty sure that was, uh, was that a home game or was that, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a home game. You know, it's it's always good to to show up for the fans there in Omaha and, and give them an effort that they deserve. You know, they're they're spending a lot of money to 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 be there, and you know, you want to put on a show for them every time you're playing and and kind of uh, be that entertainment for them. And but but any win, honest to God, any win in the Big East, whether it's on the road or at home, is a big win. I don't care if they're not ranked. I don't care if they're ranked because at any given point, at any given time somebody's going to show up and and they're going to be great. I mean, it's, there's no doubt in my mind about that. I don't care if it's DePaul. I don't care if it's Georgetown. It could be anybody's game. Um, And that's, that's the nice thing about playing in the big East is you got to show up every day because the one day you don't show up against a bad team is the day that you get, you get beat. Um, But definitely, definitely kind of uh, pushed us in the right direction, you know, beating a top five team in the nation showing that we're able to be there and, and, and be sitting at that table, you know, definitely sparks another, another little bit of, holy shit, we can do this kind of thing. And I'm pretty sure we went to the NIT that year and, you know, we kind of made a good run and Tyree kind of came out of his shell and, and started showing some real growth. And, and as soon as that season ended, as heartbreaking as it was, I think we lost to BYU that year. You know, as soon as that ended, we went home for a couple of weeks, we came back and we were right back at work. And then and, and getting better and getting ready for my junior year and then ultimately led to a very successful, very successful junior year. I mean, at our prime, you know, going into January before Maurice gets hurt, I think I would I would take that team over anybody. Realistically, you're talking you've got five starters, you've got a young freshman running center, but you you've got three kids coming off the bench and Isaiah and Zach and myself who have starting we've we've all started games in our life we've all been in the part of that big moment so you have eight guys with starting potential coming and playing against you every night and truthfully i i think that 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 2016 17 team was probably one of our most dangerous teams so before again to 17 i i think these i i think these were only in place for one year i need your take on the charcoal uniforms you wore in 16 <laughs> Yeah, I've got it. I've got it upstairs. I should you should have gave me a heads up. I would have brought it down for you. <laughs> um, they're like the dark. They're almost black, but they're not black. I, I man, I love those jerseys. They they just it's so nice to have alternative jerseys. Um, just because it, it just gives you a new look and it gives you a little bit new swagger kind of aspect to the game. As 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 silly as it sounds, you know, look good, play good. You know, that's the motto of every 18 through 24 year old kid's life. Um, when it comes to collegiate sports, so you know, when he when when Mac broke those out, I think the first time we wore them, we were in Vegas that year, and and we were all like, all right, we kind of kind of fucked with these. Let's let's kind of get to work with these. Um, 
but they're they're probably one of my favorites i do wish we had the baby blue that they're rocking with more recently here in the last four years i'm a little upset that i never got to be a part of that but um i definitely like the charcoal it's it's just something about it that just makes it smooth it just stinks it, it only lasted one year and it just yeah. it just makes me sad because i mean your, your jersey sets are good and like a charcoal like like i wouldn't have expected that i'm pretty sure you guys wore that in the biggies tournament against seton hall which yeah. great uniform matchup then those against those throwback jerseys like the script yeah. logo from the early 90s late 80s oh my god a uniform matchup made in heaven yeah i i definitely think now that creighton's becoming more known and, and a higher power you know they're they're getting a little bit more creative with their all their alternates when it comes to their jerseys you know the baby blues have been nothing but great but it'll be interesting to see if they go back with like a throwback from like the 90s or something like that because that would be that'd be an experience that'd be pretty cool so from an as an opponent i mean which biggies teams you know had the best overall jersey look or even you know a personal favorite jersey that you've seen on an opponent oh man that's a tough one. You know, I feel like everybody kind of has their, their go-to jerseys that are always pretty clean. You know, that's one thing about the big East is everything's clean. Everything's, everything's great. I'm trying to think, you know, I, I would probably stay away from the butlers and the providences. I, I don't remember them having anything too special. You know, Georgetown's always had a really cool Jersey just because of the, the design patterns that they've had. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know if I could break it down to even Seton Hall's the the scripted. I really, really like those two. I don't know if I could break it down to any specific one, to be honest. I mean, I mean, Marquette's, you know, they they have the gold. Yeah, we don't and... talk about Marquette. We're we're good. Yeah, we no, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I will say this though, and I, I I hate the fact that they retired these. DePaul's red jerseys Ooh. don't get talked about enough. That's true. I forgot about those. They definitely don't wear those enough. I mean, it was always black, blue, and white. Yeah, they don't. I, yeah, I think the they wore jersey. the red maybe for a few years. I think they stopped wearing them. Like, I think the last time they wore them is the Big East Tournament 2019, a.k.a. Well, no, because they had made the postseason. It was, it, it was Max Struess' last game in the Garden as a yeah. as a DePaul player. But, I wonder yeah. if that was 18. Was that 18 or was that 19? Uh, Struess graduated in 19. I know they wore them on your senior day, though. Yeah. Yes. I do remember that. And, you know, now I think about it, too. Speaking of red in senior day, um, up until. Oh, it could be the maybe, pink out jerseys, too. Pink out jerseys yes, are. A classic. It, oh, it, that, but that just reminded me, though, in terms of a senior day, up until I think it was last year, I think you guys had the biggest blowout win in since realignment. Your senior senior day 16, you beat St. John's 100 to 59. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's St. John's I, team. I know they were bad back then, but like, oh my God, it's like the Simpsons. Like, stop, he's already dead. That was uh, that was was that Mullins' first year? That might yep. have been Mullins' first year. That might be. Oh man, that's post lav. I think. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually kind of crazy. I didn't even. I forgot about that. That's one of those where you just kind of forget about it because it was such an ass kicking. I don't even remember any of the St. John dudes on that team. Like I can't I mean, even I can't even name one of them. I mean, dude, because I have a photographic memory. I can I can rattle them off because they had a lot of international guys. You had Mussini and Ali Begovic. Um, oh, Ali uh, Begovic. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, well, they had the other Italian kid too, the point guard. Yeah, Mussini. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it, you're right. That's what it was. And then uh, Mavuika was from France. Um, trying to think of who else they had that was really, really stood out. Yakwe was from Mali, and he was one of those guys that actually stuck. Yeah, under Mullen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, enough about that. I mean, 159. I still laugh about that to this day. Like, it's always fun when we broke 100, man. It just, like, just the, just the, the offensive, just, uh, that was so much fun when we're just shooting the fuck out of it and just running people into the ground. There's no better feeling in the world. It, you, you did a lot of that, speaking of in 2017, but uh-huh. I, everyone talked about, Oh, this team's gonna be good. They're third in the preseason poll, top twenty-five preseason. Like they're gonna be good, but the Wisconsin game was where you told the nation, "Nah." In the words of Tony the Tiger, "We're great." I mean, I mean, you guys lost the Gavin game the year before in Indiana, but that Wisconsin game, and against the team from your home state, I mean, that must have had some extra meaning. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Wisconsin game is probably one of the top. You know, you, you you probably do five key wins that year. I bet you Wisconsin's one of them for sure, just because it kind of puts our name back on that map. Um, and being from Wisconsin, that game meant more to me than anything. And and I didn't have a huge impact. I played defensively pretty well offensively. Again, I wasn't filling it up, but I hit a huge three in the left corner. And I just, I knew Nigel. I knew Sam Decker the year before. I knew Bronson Koenig. I knew all those dudes. Like I played against them all my entire lives. So. And they're a big reason why I didn't even consider going to Wisconsin. I just didn't have a click with them um, or even considering waiting for the opportunity to go to Wisconsin. Um, but to, to not only rub it in their faces of, listen, you're coming into our house. We're, we're going to make you work for it kind of thing to all my little, my, my buddies, my high school teammates, all of them, you know, texting me the day before the weeks prior, listen, you're going to get your ass kicked, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, Oh, just wait and see, just wait and see kind of moment. But hit that three in that corner and i think i ran down the floor just talking all sorts of shit and i i i guarantee i only had three points that game but i was letting everybody know that this is our fucking time this is our fucking place this is this is this is this is it kind of thing i'm i'm telling you word for word exactly what i said when i was running back down the floor because i think it was a two-point game and that kind of expanded it to five and we never looked back after that and that i'm pretty sure that might have been part of a big run where i think jp had a big alley-oop jam where people got to see like this seven footer like he's a freshman but this kid's really good and looking like a prime nba first round pick which he became like months later yeah no it was it was it was our coming out party for sure you know and like i said once 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 we kind of put our name on the map we didn't really look back and we didn't plan on looking back even uh I mean, obviously, with everything that happened to Maurice and his his senior year there was was horrible, and it did affect us to a point. But yeah, we can talk about that in a little bit. But we we definitely uh, we put everybody in our rear view after that. So you start thirteen and zero, twelve and zero in first you know non conference games. You beat Seton Hall in the opener pretty handily. I mean, it took a little bit, but you pulled away. But that set up a New Year's Eve showdown. I mean, you think like, oh, the Wisconsin home game is pretty big. But that must have had nothing on the buildup to a New Year's Eve showdown, Battle of Unbeatens, you against number one Villanova. Also, you know, defending national champions on top of being undefeated. I mean, what do you remember from the build? Because you only had, what, two days between games to get ready for that. But, I mean, what do you remember just from the build of that and the atmosphere, even pregame, feeling like a national championship? I mean, you're talking about, 
too power, not power hungry. I mean, you can't really tell, say that Nova is power hungry. They're coming off of a national championship, but you're talking about somebody who's been there and somebody who wants to be there. You know, it's, it's one of those scenarios. And, you know, we, we come back from Christmas break, usually Christmas day and we have practice and we kind of prepare early for that new year's Eve game. And then we prepare the last two days for Seton hall kind of scenario. Um, just going off of memory. Right. Um, so we were building up and being, we were trying to be as prepared as possible for that Villanova game. Um, I don't remember exactly how that one went, but I, I do remember just the absolute craziness from, from start to finish. Um, just from the fan aspect to the days prior to campus just being electric and it was it was a great experience man that's 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 one that that even though i can't remember the store or exactly how it went that's that's definitely one that goes in you know probably a top 10 book in my career i mean villanova did win they did win the game villanova's villanova i mean especially during that time the funny thing is i think they lost at butler a few days later yeah it was bullshit (laughs) i remember that too and Butler, for some reason, like they owned Villanova that year, which not the the previous team to stake the claim of sweeping Nova in the regular season, Creighton Blue Jays. Yeah, <laughs> but much more massacring fashion. Um, I will say that. But uh, I mean, you didn't let the Villanova loss slow you guys down. You still headed into an MLK Day showdown in Cincinnati with one loss. I think it was what seventeen and one, eighteen and one going into the game. And but the contrast of by the way coming off you play Saturday against a, against Truman State and now you got to go play a very good Xavier team in a very hostile environment in the Centaur Center. By the way, I feel like you're going to second this. I miss the marathons that they would do on FS1. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred and ten percent. So and that was the only one that was on MLK Day, and then they just stopped it all together because it was on New Year's um the years prior to that. But you go to Cincinnati. And you're going up against a Xavier team that, again, they're they're hungry, especially coming off, I think, back-to-back losses. They had started – I think they were the last team to lose a Big East regular season uh, game. They lost back-to-back games. They just brought Miles Davis back. And now they, they're hungry for a win, and you mm-hmm. guys are looking for a big road win of your own. So, I mean – and that was just an emotional roller coaster uh, between the highs and lows of leading – um, falling behind and of course you know your floor general going down I mean what do you remember just from that sequence and Mo actually revealed that he actually um, suffered an injury um, earlier because um, it, 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 he said it was incidental of knocking knees with uh, Sumner earlier in the half and then ultimately suffering that big big blow um, on the end one uh, tearing his ACL. Yeah, no, it was, it was a multiple injury thing for him. And I do remember that, but you know, I remember, I kind of remember that game being, being a roller coaster too. I mean, I I know at at the end of the day, we won that game, you know, it it was tight. You know, actually it was on my birthday that year, to be honest, Um, partially why I remember it, but um, it was, it was emotional, man, because we were, we felt like we, had an opportunity to be one of the best and kind of start making a run here and to have a guy like WAP who plays 25 to 30 minutes a game go down just is it's 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 crucial because you're talking about a guy who's averaging 14 and six or something you know it just 
it's a huge blow to any basketball team when you lose something like that. And, you know, and then everything that happens after that is, is also plays a role on, you know, because we got people interviewing us about what's going on in his life and what happened and where are we there? You know, we never really kind of rebounded after that, you know, and I'm, I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming Maurice one bit, you know, it's, he was dealt a shitty hand right there with, you know, I, I do remember him hitting knees with Sumner and then I do remember the and one and, and, and all of that. And it was just a shitty ordeal and you never want to see somebody who worked so hard to go down like that, especially his senior year kind of thing. Um, but it was, it was, it was quite an ordeal there because I'm pretty sure we're coming off of a top 25 win against Butler after they beat Nova and, and it, it was a statement game for us. And we knew that. Um, and we thought, you know, with WAP going down, if we still win this game, we still have an opportunity. Maybe we kind of use this to boost us forward here. Um, but I, I still don't think after that we we didn't really put it all together, which which is a bummer to be honest. I mean, he was number one in the nation in assists when he went down. I mean, yeah, forget about six, he might have been close to like eight or nine dimes a game. I mean, that's that's yeah, the he, he, make, you know making short kings proud, five foot ten, and he's you know yeah, going absolutely. going ham is one of the best point guards in the country, if not the best in the Big East. Uh, but most people forget you guys won that game. And yeah. of all people, uh, you know, Marcus, you could Marcus Foster, you could expect him, even Justin Patton. But of all people, the guy that stepped up specifically in Mo's place, Isaiah Zierden, the senior journeyman. I mean, you, you know, you talk about being the best teammate and you know, waiting for your turn almost. What was what was it like to see your own teammate, Isaiah, you know, being put in that spot and then capitalizing on it in the best way? Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty I'm I'm pretty sure Z played a really great game when Swap went down. I, I know he played big minutes and stuff like that and I remember hitting a couple big shots during that game too myself, but you know, Isaiah had a had one of those careers too or it was just a roller coaster, right? It's his senior year too and he went down two years in a row for his knee and stuff. You know, that's years that you don't get back and you know, you're just fighting to be healthy and you're fighting to play for just to play the game you love again and and to to be pushed aside. And I'm not saying he was pushed aside. I don't really know of a better way of saying it, but to to bring in a point guard like WAP to replace like an Austin Chapman and you're taking some minutes away from a guy like Isaiah. And, you know, it's the ultimate team guy, right? Like you said, I mean, it's it's, it's no different than Zach Hansen. Or you could even debate myself. You know, you have three guys who have starting potential who are willing to sacrifice minutes and sit on the bench for the betterment of the team and to come in and 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 pull like a second string boost instead of a second string doubt, um, drought, I should say. Um, but that was uh that game was nuts, man. I know the Cintas, I remember the Cintas Center was just in awe. As soon as WAP went down, there was a glimmer of hope for them to win that game, but we we continued to to get back up and we continue to fight back and I'm almost positive. We went to like a one, three, one or something. And it threw him off a little bit. It was, it was a crazy ordeal, man. That was a nuts game. That was, <laughs> that's and, a crazy game. I would have to, to think, go back and watch that one, to be honest. And to think that two weeks later, Xavier starting point guard, Edmund Sumner. Oh, it's fucking, it's ridiculous. That was a year of it. That was a crazy year of injuries, man. That was, and it wasn't like, like yeah, you have your people like me who roll their ankle twice a year, but just the 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 season ending injuries is nuts. It was it was nuts that year. I, I and and, the, and yeah. to think that you know you know you come off that win and then 
thing kind of flatlined because um, I think the other news regarding Watt, like that came in like February. But before that, Marquette comes into your house and hangs 100 on you. And then Georgetown, let's be, I mean, I've, I don't know, I'm maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but they kind of humiliated you uh, in D.C. Absolutely. 1,000%. They Georgetown was always one of those places where we we just never were able to put it together. Um, on the road at Georgetown, you know, in my five years, I'm pretty sure Dougie's senior year, we didn't even win at Georgetown. I think my senior year was our first win at Georgetown since joining the Big East. Like it's, again, it's crazy. You, no matter where people are finishing in the conference, you got to bring it every night. And that, I think that slept on a little bit when it comes to the Big East conference. I mean, it's, again, it's really hard to navigate an injury situation like that where, you know, you, he's your floor general. And now your new starter is a freshman who finally finished his college career last year in uh, Davion Mintz. Uh, but you got to give him credit and everyone credit because yes, there was a learning curve and an adjustment period, but during that end of the regular season, you guys still got some good wins. You won at Butler, which yeah. not a lot of teams did, especially that year. Um, you beat DePaul by like almost, I think it was a 35 point win, but towards the end of the year, you got you you figured it out again and got even though you lost Marquette in the regular season finale. I mean, tell me what it was like to have the kind of run you went on in the Garden, where you know you were down at halftime to Providence, blow them out in the second half, and then I mean, you want to, to be start with that and then talk about uh, talk about that game in Cincinnati, highs and lows. The game in this Big East semifinals, like it was that times a hundred. It was that was a crazy game. I remember I remember Marcus pulling up for that three to this day. The dude has has big nuts, man. That was that was insane. Um yeah, that was that run was amazing. I mean, from a team aspect, it was almost like we were uh we were putting the puzzle back together, kind of. We we were broke, we were shattered, and we were just fighting to survive, kind of thing. And and then we kind of went on a little bit of run, you know. I, I like you said, I think we beat Providence, we beat Xavier, who are, you know, you look back at the last 10 years of the Big East, you're talking about a top 50, top, I mean, they're probably a top 25% in the Big East from a finishing standpoint. I mean, they're consistently fighting for first place. You know, those are huge wins for us, no matter where they were at in their seasons then. And then you add, a, I think Nova, obviously, I don't remember the score, but I think they ended up beating us by double digits or whatever. But, you know, that, that run we had there ultimately gave us a tournament berth and, and another shot at postseason life. And and obviously we ended up putting a playing a dud out there in Sacramento, but um, you know, to play Rhode Island in the first round. But that was that game against I, I remember sitting on the bench and one of our assistant coaches when Marcus pulls up for that three on I want to say it was in JP Makira's face or whatever pulls up for that three and everyone's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. 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 Kind of moment. And it was, uh, that was, that was crazy. We all went back to the hotel and we were all excited and stuff, but then we were like, all right, back to work kind of moment. Cause that's the thing about the Big East tournament or any of those postseason tournaments. You, you gotta have a short memory, no matter what happens. So I think it was, I interviewed Marcus two years ago. Apparently he said that he kind of had it in his mind. I think once he crossed half court, that he was going to pull up. Maybe not that early, but he was going to pull up. It doesn't It doesn't shock me at all if, if, if that's what he said. So you have the disappointing end to your uh, junior season. I mean, if Mo's healthy, 
you guys go second weekend, bare minimum. That's at least my take on it. Yeah, but absolutely. now you got to you got to shake. Yeah, you, know, you got to shake off the cobwebs. You lose JP to the draft. Um, obviously, Mo graduated and missed him for the rest of that 17 season. But 18, you guys, you guys kind of got discounted again. I think fifth in the preseason poll, but you still have Marcus, Kyrie, yourself, uh, Davion, who is a year older and a year wiser at the point. And, and of course, some sharpshooter freshman from Eudora, Kansas, uh, who we mentioned earlier. Um, and now you got Martin Kroppel starting, yeah. uh, starting in the middle. Um, you again started off well, even though it didn't age well. The win at Northwestern was kind of what got the gears going for you guys. Like, yes, we lost a lot, but we're still a damn good team. Yeah, you know, going off of you know, reverse it six months from that Northwestern game. You know, I wasn't healthy at all my junior season. Um, you know, I was fighting injury the entire time. And as soon as we lost that game in Rhode Island, I was meeting with surgeons probably the next day, um, figuring out where I can and when I can get into surgery um, to get my ankle fixed and, and looked at. Um, so I was actually that entire summer, I was out. I was, I had, I had complete reconstructive surgery in my ankle. Um, and I was, I was micro picked and all this stuff in my ankle to try and get me healthy. And, and I was fighting recovery for, you know, a lot of that summer. I don't think I, I got back until October once practice started and, and that was even a stretch and I wasn't doing a whole lot. So there was a lot of unknowns still. I mean, you had Marcus and Kyrie, but you know, if you want to put me in that boat a little bit, you know, I was still a lot of uncertainties of where I was going to be at and if I was even going to be able to kind of go. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I did what I had to do to, to get ready for my senior year because I wanted to be there with my guys, you know, Marcus and I have a really good relationship, um, to this day, you know, we still check on each other and, and talk about raising families and all that kind of stuff. And I know for a fact during that senior year, my, my now wife, my girlfriend at the time and I were living together and, and we were babysitting baby jazz who, who was just a, a little baby back then for Marcus, you know, so there was a lot of uncertainty going into that season, but it, and I, I wouldn't trade it for a thing in the world, to be honest. I, I think what we did, even though we lost in the first round, we, we kind of proved the world wrong once again, you know, so it was again, another up and down year, but I, I definitely think we kind of started putting, we put another building block of success towards, you know, the 19, the 20, the 21, the 22 now seasons for, for Creighton guys that were coming in now. Um, so, and going back to that Northwestern game, that's a hard one for me to talk about because I, I went down early in that game. You know, I fought so hard to get back to at least enough healthiness to, to just play. Um, and, I, I I ended up playing, I can't think of his first name, but I know his last name was Payne. I think I had four of our five, four of our first six points, and I was like on one of those moments where I'm like, all right, I'm good. Like, I'm back. Let's get at it. And I'm, a, I'm about to fuck this dude up for 40 minutes kind of mentality. And and uh, he ended up, he was a lefty. Um, he ended up going to his left hand all the time. That was the starting report. He was going to his left. And then one, one time he actually, first time in, you know, a year and a half, he goes to his right hand for a hook. I come down on his ankle and my left ankle just blows out. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and, you know, after you roll your ankle, you can move it and, you know, it's not stiff. Like you, you still have a little bit of mobility left in it, but yeah. man, I couldn't move that thing. It felt like a, it felt like a 80 pound brick was just sitting there and, 
and I'm sitting there and I wasn't crying quite yet, but I looked Mac in the eyes and I'm like, I'm done, dude. I'm done. Like, I don't, I've never felt this before. Like this is a, this is a whole new experience for me. I, I think I broke it. I'm like, I'm six weeks, at least eight weeks at most. And, uh, you know, we were like, I'll jump into conclusion and you know, Mac, you know, he's patting you on the chest saying, don't worry about it. Things are going to work out. Things are going to work out kind of thing. And we ended up winning that game and, you know, obviously it was hard for me personally, but I was so excited for the guys. The locker room was just jazzed. You know, there was a, there was a great, great bit of, of energy going on in that, in that locker room after that game and something that could easily boost us forward. Um, you know, but that next day was scary for me going back to the MRI machine and and then getting all that stuff figured out. Luckily enough, it was a, a severe high ankle sprain. Wasn't broke. Probably would have been better if it was broke. Um, but I think for, uh, I think I was only, it's going to blow your mind, but I don't know how much you know about my career, but I was only out for like 10 days kind of thing, which is kind of unheard of from a high ankle sprain. But it was a, uh, it was a crazy 10 days for me. Like I was, I'd wake up at six o'clock and I'd be in the training room getting ice and heat and walking on the underwater treadmill. And then I, I would go back to my apartment and I would do my homework and I'd come back and I did another session of treatment you know, and then practice would happen. Then I would stay for another treatment session and, you know, the training staff wouldn't be there late at night or whatever, but you know, one of the teaching aides would come back in and, and let me do another session. You know, I was, I was doing therapy probably three, four times a freaking day for those 10 days, just trying to get back healthy. Cause I, I wanted to, I wanted to get back on the floor with those guys. Cause I thought, I thought there could be something special with, with that group still too. So I I had to mention this because you brought it up earlier. The first time you finally won in D.C. against Georgetown. And you went absolutely ballistic. <laughs> I feel like for you, it's like the MJ from the last dance. And I took it personally. Like, like we had yeah. we've never won in Georgetown. Like, nah, 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 nah. I'm not leaving without a win in D.C. And not only did you go there and win. I mean, you essentially got payback for losing by 20 the year before by just pounding them into pieces. I mean, was there part of you like, yeah, if I got to score 25, 30 points or whatever it was, I'm going to do it to make sure we win this game. Yeah. I think it was, uh, that was, uh, Marcus and I, um, were talking, you know, being seniors and stuff and Tyler Clement, you know, being, he was a walk on, you know, throughout our entire time and was a senior with us, but we were talking about how we've never won here, you know, the night before we were at dinner and we're like, we never won here. We, we got to go out and get this one at least one time. We need to start, you know, showing that we can play out here in DC and stuff. So there was a little bit of motivation there for sure of, of, Hey, we haven't gotten one done here. Let's be the first team to get one done. Um, but I also just kind of had a different mentality my senior year than I did my entire career. And, you know, looking back, I wish I would have had it a little bit more, but I, I looked at the Angel Delgados of the world and the Jesse Govans of the world as, as a challenge. And I looked as soon as we're about to jump for the tip, I, I literally said, I'm going to fuck you up literally all night long and I hope you're ready for it. And, uh, I ended up, I just kind of had that mentality in me and, you know, I hit the first one. And then it, it was, it was the rest was history because I knew I had a mismatch. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to take Jesse Govan to the post. And I knew it. He's, a, he's probably one of the strongest dudes I played to this day from a strength aspect. And, uh, and I, I knew his weakness was his feet. And I felt like I had decent footwork when it came to getting my shot off in time or, or getting by him from a screening aspect. And, 
you know, I, I think I rattled off five in the first half or whatever. And it was just, it was it. and then Kyrie started hitting them. And then Davion started hitting them. And then Mitch comes in and hits one or Tyshawn comes in and hits one. And it just became a freaking frenzy of, it was, it was a great game. That was, that's, that was not, not just because of my success, but to, to go into Georgetown and, and, and get that win, you know, on the road and be the first one to win at Georgetown is, is something that I'll take to my grave for me for the rest of my life. <laughs> And, I and I'm pretty sure I gave Jesse Govan it at our house too. So it was, it was, it was, a, it was a whole different Toby senior year. And I know, you know, Jordan and stuff like that. And Jordan can tell you that, but I was, I was a different breed that year. Cause I being my last year, I wanted to go out with a little bit of a bang and, and stuff like that. So. Oh my God. It's kind of like, um, Oh my God. Um, uh, I, I just have that set my tongue in terms of like what I can relate that to is, um, Oh, it, it, it won't come to me. I'm, I'm not even going to bother um, trying to pull it out. But uh, so, again, you got bit by the injury bug, you know, with Mo going down a week and a half after that game. You're playing Seton Hall at home yeah. and Martin Crumple. Same thing. It's like the the one position that you kind of need to, to, to hold everything down, like point guard the year before. This time it's your starting five and he – has a major knee injury of his own. Grant, you still beat the brakes off Seton Hall. I, I was so mad at that game because you guys were so good. Seton Hall played like <laughs> shit. I almost wanted to throw something through the TV in my door. Well, that was when uh, that was when I was making Angel Dodano my bitch. And that was another game where um, Rodriguez didn't play the entire second half because he was throwing a fit to Willard. And that was a crazy game, too, in itself. <laughs> You're just like, what the hell is that? And then Ronnie, I think Ronnie put someone on skates in the second half. Yeah, that was, um, you know, it was it was a crazy year my senior year because I I played the four offensively, but I guarded the five. Martin played the five offensively, but guarded the four because he was faster than me. You know, so it was it was kind of a it was a weird ordeal that we were kind of working with between me and me and him and and just that team. But when Martin went down, it became a different kind of aspect of, okay, well now we're bringing in Ronnie, who had a great end of year junior year right there. Um, you know, he comes in and and it's almost like uh, we don't skip a beat kind of thing. You know, we yeah we lose a couple, but we win. We have a huge couple wins, and we bring Jacob Epperson off of his red shirt to bring in some minutes because, you know, I was I was there was a little bit of inconsistency my inconsistency my senior year just because of of my injuries and stuff, and you know I was I was having issues with my feet all year, so there were some days you know where I'm at Georgetown and I feel great. But there's some games where we're playing Villanova at home and I don't feel great and 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 I'm a foot or a step slow and you know we needed somebody else to kind of fill in and Jake Epperson was more than willing to to give up his red shirt and come in and give us a spark that we needed and Ronnie came in and gave us a spark that we needed it it, it was feeling like it was even though we lost another guy in January it, it felt almost like there to was the day no chance yeah it was it's it's disgusting like. It scares me. I, I'm pretty sure since I've left Creighton, I don't watch any games around my birthday just because I it's it was it was oh two years, two years in a day or two years and or a year in a day or a year in two days or whatever mm-hmm. between it or whatever. And like if there's a game ever played, I don't know if you know this, but at uh DePaul's old facility 
facility. It was like the Legion Center or whatever. All All State Arena. All State. Thank you. Um, Grant Gibbs gets hurt freshman year. My fresh my freshman year. Somebody else got hurt a year later in the same facility. And then a year later, Isaiah, no, Isaiah Zierden tore his ACL a year later from Grant Gibbs getting hurt. And then another year later, somebody else got hurt. And then my injury at Northwestern was in yep. the All-State Arena. Like, it's, I will never watch a freaking game being played on that floor ever thank again. God, thank God they're, thank God they're never doing that again, because I think that's just retired. And the only things that happen there is like Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, that, that place was, uh, it's a scary place, man. You walk in the doors and it just gives you chills kind of moment, but no, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was an experience that, that scene hall game was a good one to watch too. And, and I don't really know the whole story why Willard wasn't playing Rodriguez, but that ultimately ended up helping us out and we played well and it kind of gave us that spark back, even though we lost Martin. And uh, speaking of in terms of like speaking injuries into existence, I mean, that arena is the same place where Edge speared Mick Foley through a table on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> I mean, I know way too much about wrestling, dude. It's ridiculous. Stone Cold Bret Hart was in the same building too. So. Yeah. That place is, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. That's, I don't like that place at all. <laughs> so I feel like for you, um, that, so that also reminded me, um, you had a stretch in early February. I feel like it must've been a major upgrade for you to play at Wintrust compared to Allstate arena. Yeah, it was absolutely. I mean, the Wintrust was, was state of the art at the time, you know, it wasn't amazing like like oh my god this is this is this is the bees knees kind of thing but it was definitely an upgrade from where they were at for sure and and it was a thriller um and marcus foster comes through i mean that could have been a really damaging loss on the resume but you Um, got it done it was your go-to guy marcus hitting that big shot and i'm pretty sure DePaul, as weird as it sounds they only won one big east game there the entire year and it was a couple weeks later against Marquette, ironically enough. But, yeah, no, um, that you- was a that was a crazy that was a crazy ending. You know, Marcus hits that shot, and then Marcus and I are in a ball screen, and we ended up trapping them and and getting the steal to win the game. It was it was crazy. That was a crazy game, and, and they weren't bad. I mean, Struess was I think Struess was there. They had that big kid, McCallum. Yeah, freaking uh, DePaul was no joke that year. They were just kind of dealt a, a shitty hand. And that honest. shitty hand being Dave Lato. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's no reason why Struess is in the NBA right now having the success he's having. Like, there's that's just that's just crazy to me. Same with Paul Reed. Yeah, who was a freshman during that season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the game after that, I mean, I have to bring it up the Xavier home game. I mean, this was a chance to because Xavier, you oh. thought sixteen was great, eighteen they were on another level but they were not the same team on the road than they were in Cincinnati. And they pounded you at Cintas a month before four weeks, four weeks of the day. Exactly. But you have them on the ropes. You're up one final possession. I mean, talk me, talk me through your perspective of that final play with Quentin. Oh man, that was such a shitty deal. I'm almost positive that, um, Ronnie goes to the free throw line with, and Ronnie's not a great free throw shooter. Ronnie goes to the line with four seconds left and he ends up hitting two free throws to, to put us up by one. He not only ties the game, puts us up by one with four seconds left. And 
you know, Matt has timeouts left and, and, um, Xavier doesn't. So, you know, Matt calls a timeout to get us strategically ready. Um, you know, maybe that's something where we, we kind of let them make their mistakes, but, and not call that timeout knowing they don't have one to draw something up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that was, uh, that was such a shitty deal. You know, they're top five. I think they're th- four, three? Three, three, three or four. Yeah. They're three, I think in the, in the nation and, and, uh, you know, Ronnie's guarding, you know, this guy's coming full steam down the, the lane and Ronnie's guarding him and Ronnie kind of takes a step back. You know, and because he knows that he has help side behind him where I'm standing and I'm about to go do the verticality drill. So Ronnie kind of takes a step back and I jump and, and I get all ball and I throw that fucker to the stands and I hear the whistle. I hear the whistle go and I'm like, there's no fucking way. You're talking, you know, maybe in high school, maybe in AU it happens sometimes, but, you know, on the stage of the number three team in the nation on the road about to lose and you blow your whistle. I, I, to this day, I can't believe they made that call. Like it's such a bad call. It's no different than the Ryan Nemhard call this year, man. It's just, uh, you can't let refs decide the game. Like that's just, it's so frustrating that when it gets to like a minute or two left in the game, they just need to swallow their whistles kind of thing. And it's horrible as a, as a player to blame the refs. But in that situation, what do you, what do you say? It's, it's not the kid's fault, you know? So I don't know. It's, 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 that's that's a tough one to talk about. <laughs> I, like for Ronnie, I, I feel like if I I remember watching the playback like multiple times over the years, and to me, like Ronnie kind of like he like pulls the chair out, like yeah. the, he doesn't like push it, like he's just like, all right, I'm I'm like because I'm not fouling yeah. him. Puts his hands back and he takes a step back. Yeah, it's crazy. And then I come over from the help side, and yeah, it's I can't I can't fathom. And the guy who made the call couldn't see anything that was going on you know he was behind me like he could only see me you know which is the most disgusting thing in the world what so he was on the baseline i'm assuming yeah he was the baseline guy which yeah because so if he i'm was not... on the baseline he was on the opposite lane line on the baseline so he because the the play was on the right side of the basket he yeah. was on the left side on the base yep. yeah Oh, see, that's the center's call. Oh my god, I'm talking as a ref. I sound like a goddamn nerd. It's got to be. It's you got to talk. It's got to be the the, the sideline guy making that call. Yeah, because you got the trail who's even, you yeah. got the trail is on the deep closer to half court on that on that left side, and then you yep. got the center was on the right side where more of the play like, and he didn't call it. So like, I gotta you know I've become so yeah. acclimated with Big East refs and their names that like. And their faces, like that's McConnell or that's so and so. Like I feel absolutely. like you must, you must have like, like I know this guy that or do you see any refs before a game? You're like, we got this guy or okay, good, we actually have this guy. Like I feel like that's oh, more on the former. absolutely. I mean, you have a relationship with some of the guys. Like uh, I can't think of his last name, but like the little Italian guy, Tony Chiazza. Um, yeah, thank you. I can't. It's the only way to describe him. He's about as Italian as it gets. I, I know um, way too much about Biggie's officials. But me and him had a pretty good relationship where we would joke around back and forth. And there was a couple other ones. But there was, I, I don't even know if this guy who called that call refs games anymore. I don't even know. I haven't seen him where I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that guy. But obviously everybody in the Big East hates O'Connell and, and, and all of that. So, so it's, breeding? That's... You got thoughts on breeding? 
I don't know. Was he around back in my day? I don't remember. I, he, I think he well, was not as prominently, but I, he must've been, I, I know Jeff Anderson was too. Yeah. High stepper. Oh yeah. Oh, is this it? Hold on. I'm looking. Oh, the high stepper. We call him hoppy. That's what we call him <laughs> on the floor. As bad as uh, that sounds, but yeah, Jeff. Yeah. He's from, he's an upstater like myself. He's from Rochester. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a character in himself too. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's like, he, some so big he, time games this year, which was kind of insane. Yeah, he actually like so. The reason why he does that, and there's a Twitter account dedicated to his high stepping, which is just phenomenal. Um, oh God, the reason I why reading. he, fuck, I hate that guy too. Finally, I, I'm like, am I hating too much? But like from the player's perspective, I needed that little bit of validation. So that 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 means a lot. Was, so that's okay. So. Th- Basketball players don't hate the refs. They hate the inconsistency of the refs. That's that's what it is. That's that's 100% true. 100%. Like if you're if you're consistently going to call the hand check, consistently call the hand check. And it's no different from coaches and like I know that more now than ever being a coach. Like just have a little sense of incon- or a little sense of consistency. Now you'll never hear a word from me from my bench. But if you're starting to call hand checks or if you're calling a charge when the guy's moving and then I get a charge or whatever, just, just a little sense of consistency is all that anybody asks for when it comes to any sport, to be freaking honest. It's no different than the strike zone for a batter. Finally, someone's talking some baseball here. I'm a baseball junkie. I mean, I literally work summer college baseball here. And, like, I mean, my again, I know Cedric Mullins because he played in my hometown for the team I work for. So, uh, and there, I'm trying to, like, stall a little bit here because I'm trying to find out who it was that called the foul and it was – that looked – that might have been Jeff Anderson. That – it looks like him because he did a little um, – but then again, the- I don't know. He's 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 too stocky. He seems too stocky. Or maybe he lost weight after no, surgery. Anderson was – Anderson was in that game, but it wasn't him. He was uh, – he might have been the center ref. Um, I, I saw O'Connell on, on that. He was – Think of his name right now. Oh, um, Big East ref. You could probably like if you look up like on the Creighton schedule, like from that time, like in the box score, it'll definitely one hundred percent show official info. And oh, you're and, saying Creighton versus Xavier, twenty eighteen. Yep, I'm I'm digging. I am like this is live. For those that are listening after the fact, after this goes live. This this is live research happening, and I'm getting to the bottom <laughs> of this. Bingo. It was Evan Burroughs. Oh, I'm looking him up. I'm looking him up. Because, yep, I knew O'Connell, and then Pat Driscoll was also on that game. Driscoll. Everybody loves Driscoll. Ah, right. Don't tell that to one of my uh, St. John's people I follow, Frank. <laughs> don't tell that to oh, him. Oh, yeah, that was definitely him. Cause I I know what O'Connell looks like, yeah, and that's, that's such a shitty deal, man. Cause that's that's a huge win for us. I mean, you're almost locking in, you're locking in NCAA tournament bid, and and we're fortunate enough to be, you know, we're the last team to beat Villanova that year, at home. In general, we were the last team to beat them that year, but that that game got us the bid that we needed to get into the NCAA tournament. But you know that 
that win against Xavier helps us in that aspect for sure. That just helps, helps your helps your seed line. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. But, Instead of being I mean, a nine eight and playing against Kansas State, it was probably not ranked correctly because of injury you know we we just again i feel like we just got dealt a shitty hand and and we didn't you know i i played personally decent in that kansas state game but we we, we definitely didn't play to the best of our abilities and in, in any of the ncaa tournament games that i played in so it must have been especially coming off essentially you know creighton fans will say that and i know they still do they got screwed in that game five years later but how it must have been really satisfying to have an opportunity two weeks later to play villanova and this time you get it done but and this time also i mean marcus was great but for mitch to have his freshman year defining moment where boy becomes man um that must have been something where you know you got to rag the freshman on, you know, you might haze him a little bit, but like in the moment like that, you, you, you raise him on your shoulders and give him his Rudy moment. Oh, nobody was hazing Mitch. I wouldn't allow that. And you can ask uh, him that. Like, um, like just not, not hazing. Him, no, more like I know. Ribbing. I know what you're, I know what you're saying. I'm just poking fun. Um, I got you. No, it was, uh, it was one of those moments. I remember going into that game, Marcus, Tyler, and I, before our last practice ended, we all, looked at each other and looked at the guys and said, listen, this one means a lot. We can get this done. You know, they're beatable. We've, we've seen it. Um, and you know, our mentality right before we went out for warm ups that game, we all got together and we said, listen, we're going to get it done tonight and we're going to act like we deserve to be here. We're not going to go jump on stands. We're not going to go pump up the crowd. We're going to stand in line. We're going to shake their hands, say good game. And we're going to go celebrate in the locker room kind of thing. And uh, little did we know, we foreshadowed a little bit, and and we ended up winning that game. And if you watch it, it's nobody's nobody on our team's really freaking out or, or having a moment of of holy shit, did that just happen? Um, we all got in line, shook their hands, and went to the locker room, and 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 ended up having a good time after that. But because um, we felt like we deserved to be in any game, um, we felt like we could beat anybody. We felt we could we could play with anybody. Um, so we definitely. Um, and part of that was, I think Seton Hall, as bad as this is, I think Seton Hall beat Villanova that year, didn't they? And it was there's a video of Angel Delgado or oh, that or, was the no. So the year before, um, Rodriguez semis, uh, yeah. So the year before in the Big East semis, um, what happened? So the year before in the Big East semis, I think what you're talking about is Angel missing a chippy. And uh, he went down to the floor crying. Josh picked oh, him up. That's, that's so oh wait, no. Was... Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about now. Desi got hurt in Providence. I'm not, I don't even think that's it either. Um, hold on. Hold like, on. I know we lost twice to Villanova. That I know. There was a video that surfaced of Angel Delgado and Rodriguez and all them dudes getting up on the scores table and hyping up the crowd after a huge win that year. It was, I'm almost positive it was. Mm. Yeah, it was you guys. You guys know you beat Villanova that year, by the yep. way. Actually, no, no, I, dude, I know for a fact because we, we lost by one in overtime. Like, who did they might have beaten? I think it was my freshman year where they got on the they started getting on the tables. Might have been no, it was it was that year. I'm telling you, it was that year because I was. We watched that game as a team, and we said, listen, we're not going to be that guy. We're not going to be that guy. We're not going to be that team that does that because we – and it's as silly as it sounds. We just – we wanted to set a precedence. 
that we deserve to be here kind of moment. But I'm pretty sure it was. You're gonna you're gonna need to send me a link to that, either the video or the image, because I know the video of like you know they would like get on the scores table. I think Angel put on like a lobster head. Not sure. I don't remember because we. Is that 2017, 2018? I don't know. Sure like, it was that year. Well, it's yeah. hearsay, but whatever. Um, no, you're in sidetrack. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, we were, uh, we were, there was, it was just one of those moments where we were like, we deserve to be here. We deserve this moment. Yada, yada, yada. We're not going to rub it in anybody's face. It's whatever. And uh, we ended up winning that game crazily in overtime and, but yeah, that was kind of what kind of pushed us to. I think we beat Seton Hall, you know, a week later or whatever, too. So it was a that was a huge, it was a huge ordeal for us. I think we beat. You no, know, now I'm all confused. Hold yeah, no, no, because now your senior no. day was the game after that. Yeah, it was DePaul. That's what it was. Yeah, with those red jerseys. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm telling you those the, the the those jerseys were tough, man. They were. Especially with those the blue stripes, like the blue, like ah, yeah, the trim. The blue, the blue trim was a nice touch. And I then uh where we played um was it seventeen that was seventeen eighteen, wasn't it? I don't yeah, I don't yeah, because I I think to yeah, DePaul was your senior year in it was yes, yeah, that it was, was eighteen. Yeah, I, kind of like a low key. I'm like an encyclopedia. Oh, we lost. We beat Villanova at home on the fourth. Then we beat Seton Hall. We beat no. This is why is this giving me the wrong freaking schedule, dude? Yeah, I I don't I don't this know. This app is ridiculous. It's throwing me off. Hold on. What are you look? What are you looking at? Resetting. ESPN. We're resetting. What are you looking at? ESPN. Okay, we got number one. Vill- no. That was yes. So we got number three Villanova, and then we had um, DePaul. Yeah, I'm looking at the right one now. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely we, 2018. Yeah, that's right up the alley. This is that was ridiculous. No, I'm on the Creighton website. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's where I was pulling up the information uh, to finally get get the info. Well, I want to like, know who somebody who did Villanova lose to that year? Providence. It was. It might have been Providence. Villanova lost. They were number one. Oh, they it might have been Butler. Lost. It might have been Butler. Okay, it might not have been Hall. We got to figure. I need to figure this out. Yeah, I, I know. I know who they lost to. They lost to Butler. They lost to Providence, and they lost at home to St. John's somehow at home. And like St. John's was still like winless in the league when that happened. Schedule. 2017, 2018. Yep. So yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching the Nova game at Butler. Like, I think it, Paul well, George had to have been Providence. It had to have been Providence. Because, yeah, no, I they saw. just but- lost to Providence a like, week prior, 10 days before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I watched that too in my dorm. Actually, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did watch that in my dorm because it was Valentine's Day. Seton Hall Xavier was next. And then Seton Hall scored 65 points in the second half and still lost by 12. Yeah, no, it was that's what it was or whatever. Whoever they they just lost to, you know, they were jumping on the score table and they were just and good for them, right? But we wanted to kind of set a different 
attitude towards it of listen we deserve to be here kind of moment it must have been um it must have been providence which kind of made sense because they were kind of clowns that year to be honest <laughs> i was and speaking we of lost, we ended up losing to them in the oh my god you you were literally oh you just alley ooped that to me the biggest tournament game against providence oh uh, i i hate i hate to do that to you i mean yeah, yeah i'm sure you do it was a it was a thing like Providence though I don't know how the hell they did this and I think they're still the only team that's ever done it playing three consecutive overtime games in that tournament it started with you guys um, I think I was watching this game in a Buffalo Wild Wings um, <laughs> before the night session um, somewhere in the near Times Square which is closed now R.I.P. but um, I mean for you. I mean, what was the biggest difference like Providence you know the times you play because you blow them out in Omaha they. Took you guys out in Providence first game without Martin. Um, I mean, what really changed? I mean, the one thing that really changed. I mean, let's be real. It was Chiron going absolutely crazy. I mean, the, the shitty thing about anything is, you know, it's so hard to beat people. That's the nice thing about college basketball and being conference games. You play everybody twice, you know. So the first time you're, if you're lucky, you might get away with one. The second time, people are going to be more prepared. Then the third time, man, they have every strategy laid out, everything ready. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to beat somebody three times. And, and, you know, they, they, I remember I I didn't play overly well when we were there in Madison Square Garden. I actually got engaged that night to my girlfriend um, after that loss, which is kind of crazy thing about, but it's sad, (laughs) but um, yeah, no, we just, it was, they, they just were prepared. And and we were too. It was it was a dodge fight the entire game, but for some reason, you know, when overtime came, they ended up. I think mean, they scored thirteen. We scored nine or something like that, and ended up walking away with it. And then they ended up winning. Did they win another one after that, or when? Yeah, they beat Xavier in OT. Yeah, yeah, it was freaking ridiculous. And then they took Nova to OT in the title game before they finally ran out of gas. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. That was insane, dude. I would have to rewatch that game too. I don't and, remember that one that was. And the thing is, like, uh, yeah, Chiron went absolutely ballistic that that whole weekend. It started with you guys, yeah. and then he had a he he yammed in that Xavier game, and I think um, the end of that game too. I think Makira got called for a charge to foul out, and that was that was that. Um, but man, like, and just by the way, that brings me to another point. The guys that were there the four years that you were, I mean, literally Providence had that group of Cartwright and <laughs> and Bullock. Xavier had Blue and McCure and O'Mara. Then Seton Hall had their guys. Like, yeah, dude, it was that that class from fourteen to eighteen, elite. I can't imagine. I I like watching the the nineteen, watching the nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, nineteen, twenty years. Maybe it wasn't much 1920, but I, I definitely thought after 18, it kind of went down a little bit. Um, and that's no offense to anybody, but that's just my personal opinion. But I felt like it because we, I like, like you're saying, we had dudes in the league, like from, from Blewett, who was just a sleepy, just, and he was, and then you have Foster and you've got Angel, who's leading the nation in rebounds and has the most rebounds in, Biggie's history and then you you add Jesse Dovan who is a potential NBA kid and there's another couple kids on that team who were yeah, Caleb great. Martin at Butler too you have Struess and DePaul who could go off for 40 any given night like 
the big east and and it's kind of getting not not that it's not getting back to that but it was that four years was was kind of insane to be honest and, and i feel like for you like you get sick of like oh i get angels gotta see one more year of angel like we gotta see one more year of keelan martin and yeah. the lot even josh hart when he came back for his year, you're like oh we gotta see him one more time yeah, absolutely. I mean, Caleb Martin was a dog, and and then you added uh, who was the other dude that came to Butler to Wyman? play with him. Yeah, no. Well, you had Wyman, and then you had another guard who was pretty good. Jorgensen. Well, Jorgensen was like a he was just known as like a sniper kind of. Um, I don't remember who it was, but there was two or three dudes on every team. You know, it wasn't like there was just one guy and then you had Spellman and fucking he's over in Europe or China or whatever, having a freaking career right now and Villanova. But you, like I said, you had Villanova that year had four top first and second round picks, maybe five. I don't even freaking know. Yeah, because Pas- was... yeah, I mean, you added Pascal getting drafted the following year, but. Yeah. DiVincenzo first rounder, Brunson can't believe he went to the second round. I roasted the, I made fun of him in college, but now I love the him and Josh Hart on the Knicks. Yeah, it's and Josh was insane the year. Like it's there was and Mattel Bridges, and you don't know what he's doing in the league nowadays. I mean, that was a that eighteen team was kind of nuts. <laughs> that yeah, the class of eighteen again. I will ride her, and there were some guys that dipped early, like Isaiah. Yeah. From seeing all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and to think like, oh, I'm just being biased because that was the same grade I was in. Like, no, the, these guys ruled. I mean, like, try put put that class up against what? Maybe the class of 2020 with Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, and then Shamori Pons was in the same grade, but he dipped a year early. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Good gosh. <laughs> I never really, I never really kind of reminisced on that. That's, that's kind of nuts. Yeah, and that's that's the great thing about the Big East. You know, you get a bunch of one and duns in all these other leagues and with these specific schools, but you see guys year four years in a row, and you sometimes you get sick of them, but you look back on it now, like I battled with those guys for four years, and there's yeah. definitely a sense of pride of of listen, I played against those dudes and stuff like that, and there's definitely a sense of of doubt of. I wish I was that dude nowadays. Right. But, um, you know, just with the injuries and stuff that I had to deal with and, and I don't know if you knew this, but there's not a lot of people that did, but I got shot up with lidocaine before every game. So my ankle would was physically able to work and, you know, and I was, I was not the healthiest dude my junior and senior year, but I tried to make the most out of it. And, and, you know, that created some long-term effects of where it ended up, probably ending my career a little bit earlier than I wanted it to be. But looking back at it, it's been a great decision for me. I have a great life, great wife, a little bit of a family now and, and coaching basketball and teaching kids the, the game I love and stuff like that. So it all happens for a reason, right? So can't be, uh, can't be too mad about it. And it's, which brings you to the point of, you know, when you lost to Kansas state, you know, it's always hard to take off the uniform for the final time, but I I can't even imagine how much more painful it was watching the events that unfolded shortly thereafter with UMBC. Like you could have, like that could have been us. Yeah. The the shitty deal is exactly. It could have been us and you can't live the world on what ifs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, there's a video of my dad sitting behind UMBC's bench watching that game because I know my dad at the time didn't realize it, but 
that was the last game I was ever going to play. So he was still sitting there kind of reminiscing on the opportunities that I had and all that stuff. And, and, uh, he sat there and he just texted me there and he's like, I can't believe what I just watched. I just watched history happen and yada, yada, yada. And it's no thing. It's all thanks to you for being able to put me in the situation and stuff like that. So as much as it, you could live off the what ifs, um, it was, uh, it would have been our time right technically you know it would have been second weekend for us for the first time and forever and um but everything happens for a reason and i mean that lets I me mean, let's segue into you know the everything happens for a reason you segue to five years later you know you have a, a family now not only are you married you have a you know i have a baby boy um, and you're coaching AAU now. I mean, it must feel weird to be on that side of, you know, coaching. Um, I mean, I mean, have you, is it weird seeing, you know, like you t- before we start recording, we talked about how you've run into Kevin Willard um, um, on the AAU circuit. And I feel like you must get tips from coaches like that that you've seen in the years past. And obviously from your old head ball coach, uh, Coach Mack. Yeah. I mean, I run into Mack all the time and we'll sit there and we'll talk real quick and, um, you know, talk about life and what's going on with him and his family. Cause I was there for a big part of his, you know, family growing up with his daughter going through high school and, you know, being there with Doug and I have a good relationship with Doug to this day where, you know, before I left Omaha, we would go golfing a couple of times and stuff like that. But, you know, the, there are so many connections out there, you know, from a basketball standpoint, that gives me an opportunity to kind of, um, you know, give these kids an opportunity that I'm trying to, to, to give them because at the end of the day, you know, the, the Wisconsin playmakers gave me an opportunity back in my day to play on a a great team and give me the opportunity to play collegiate basketball. And, you know, I'm just trying to give that opportunity to other kids now and and give them a little bit of uh, motivation and a little bit of a couple life lessons about being a man and, and growing up and being good, good people more than, than great basketball players at times too. So um, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm doing what I can for sure. And obviously starting my family and, you know, my, my girlfriend, my, my, my wife was my girlfriend throughout my entire college career. She was always sitting by me every, every step of the way from ups and downs to bad games, to good games, to surgeries, to, to recovery, to, you know, sitting there on Christmas night because I, I, I can't walk or move or whatever, you know, her helping me out as much as possible to, to be able to marry that person and, and who still brings me joy. And now to start a family with her is, is absolutely a, a blessing. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to bring a little dude in this world and, and he is gigantic already. He doesn't miss meals and hoping that he uh, is the next seven footer to kind of rule the world, man. So um not going to push him any directions. Um going to let him make those decisions, but uh it'll be pretty easy for him to make those decisions because, uh, you know, with all the basketball memorabilia from my life, my career and coaching and stuff, it, it's it's definitely going to be pretty easy for him to, to pick up his first basketball once it comes time. And you want to talk about, you know, like to really wrap this up, you know, you talk about the indelible effect that, you know, Creighton, the city of Omaha, Mac, everyone in the Creighton community that's, you know, left a mark on you. I mean, they really do embrace everybody. I mean, they show out better than arguably anyone in the conference, especially when you have nights. And I know we, I didn't even talk, touched on this, which I'm, you know, kicking myself in the head for that. But, uh, Creighton versus Cancer, and I arguably the one of the most, if not the most underrated tradition, in all college hoops for such a great cause, been going on ever since Mac 
arrived at Creighton. I mean, I definitely want your thoughts on, you know, that tradition playing for something bigger than yourself um, and the importance and realizing that importance, you know, you give back to the community. Now you give back to the game you love with you know, with coaching. And obviously I definitely want to, you know, to round it all out and end this. Uh, definitely want your thoughts on, you know, the, what the, what playing at Creighton, your connections there. And of course, obviously at large, the effect, you know, what the playing in the Big East has taught you um, in your playing career. And now the grand scheme of your life. Yeah, man. Uh, the uh, We didn't talk about it a whole lot. So I, I more or less avoided it a little bit. Um, you know, the Big East, um, not not only the Big East, but but the Creighton versus Cancer game is is it's almost like a holiday in the city of Omaha where people are willing to give whatever they can, uh, you know, to to help provide an opportunity for somebody which speaks about the city of Omaha, man. It's 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 one of those unbelievable things. I would almost you know, we were joking about dollar beer night before this whole thing kind of took off, but uh, you know, the the paint out game is one where I'm like that's that's something you gotta you gotta be a part of you gotta stand there with all them people holding those signs up, you know I'm doing this for who and uh, in memory of this and and uh, you know it means a lot to the players and it means a lot to everybody because we all know somebody who's fighting through it and and going through those tough times and you know part of uh, part of my senior my senior year roller coaster was my mom being diagnosed with breast cancer um that year i'm not really sure how many people know that or whatever outside of creighton and in omaha but um you know she uh she didn't tell me until after that game like i I, she was she knew for a month beforehand and all that so so that game hit a little bit harder you know after the game when i found out my mom's kind of dealing with that and you know i flew home to be with her for the surgeries and stuff like that and with the recovery and then you know, her flying to, to New York City to watch me play possibly one last time and 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 all that, you know, the, the opportunities that the Creighton versus Cancer game gives to people, just a little glimmer of hope in a really dark, dark time in their lives. And, and you know, that's all you can wish to be as, as, as a person, you know, as a human, you want to be that light for somebody, whether it's uh, your kids or your, your wife or your, your husbands or whoever it might be, you, you want to be that glimmer of hope. And, and I feel like that pink out game really is, is, is a, is a light, a really dark time for a lot of people. And I can't be more proud of being a part of that. I've got my pink out Jersey and my pink out shorts and everything sitting up in my, uh, in my closet, you know, still freshly um, they've been hanging ever since that 2018 game. And, um, you know, it, it still means a lot to me to this day. And it means a lot to my family because of what we were going through at that time and, and such, but, uh, it means a lot to everybody in the city of, of Omaha and, and even people around the world. Um, but you're right. I, I, th- I think that that's one of the most slept on traditions in college basketball, to be honest, what Mac's doing is, is simply unbelievable. It's, and so last but not least, I mean, the overall, you know, what is, you know, what did your time at Creighton, um, you know, and, and obviously at large, what did, what, what were the biggest lessons your time at Creighton and your just less the life lessons you learned just playing in the big East um, on and off the court, you know, what are, what are the biggest lessons that you've taken with you um, since you finally hung up your sneakers, uh, graduated and, uh, and, 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 I, and what, and what is all, all of that, as I said, you know, mean to you, you know, in the grand scheme of life five years later. 
Yeah, man. Um, obviously there's a lot of lessons and, and Matt does a really good job of, of, of doing that, but, uh, sorry, I got wet the old whistle for this one. Um, you know, going to Omaha as an 18 year old boy and, and leaving Omaha as a 24 year old man, um, really speaks on the city of Omaha and what it, it developed in me and, and created for me. Um, I believe that most of my growth as a man happened in Omaha and that's a lot um, because of the people that were around me from coach McDermott to coach Murfeld to DeVries to Lutz to all those guys that are now coaching division one basketball themselves. Um, You know, those people, those mentors really taught me the importance of family and taught me the importance of, you know, getting the job done and, and doing it successfully and doing it the right way. You know, there's no reason to cut corners. And, and and take the easy way because that's what everybody tries to do. Nobody likes taking the hard way. Um, the biggest the biggest life lesson that was given to me. Um, you know, I, I can't stress it enough. Um, and I tell my kids this that I coach all the time. Listen, you're gonna get knocked down. You're gonna get punched. You're gonna get ran over. You're 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 gonna something in your life's gonna happen where you don't feel like you're 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 able to get back up, but. You know, when you surround yourself with people like like Marcus Foster and Martin Crample and Tyler Clement, and Kyrie Thomas, when you surround yourself with people who want you to be successful, they're going to help you get back up and help you get back in the right direction and push the right direction. And And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is to surround yourself with people that want the same thing. You know, they want success. They want to push you to be your best person, be your best self, be your best father, be your best role model, be your best coach, whatever it is. If you surround yourself with the people that um, are respectful and, and, and push you towards your goals, um, you're never, you have nothing to be worried about when it comes to life. No matter what life throws at you, you're going to, you're going to be able to push through it because you got the, you got the support well-being of those around you. And I've said this so many times on my show, what makes the biggies great, it's not just the student athletes you see on the court um, as performers for, for, for the league and on, and for, for the fans, but it, it breeds so many great people and credit, you know, Val Ackerman putting in some of the programs like freshman fundamentals and even like biggies networking events um, for, for business to get them ready for life after collegiate athletics. And what does that all mean? In terms of breeding all these great people, it breeds people that take those life lessons and carry them out. And Toby, you definitely are one of those guys. I, it's funny how I heckled you in college. I know we talked about it, which, and by the way, uh, the sign I made your junior year, um, which I, 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 I'm stunned you still remembered it. You know, Michael Scott likes Toby from HR more than uh, more than Toby Hegner, uh, which I I was very close. I wasn't sure if you would understand the reference from the office. I was like, Toby, first question, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, no, man, it's, it's crazy. And I, I appreciate the compliments because I, I do pride myself on being a good man and a good husband and a good father, Um, obviously now. So, you know, what the Big East gave to me was, was a lifetime of experiences that not a lot of kids get to live. And I can't be more grateful for that no matter if my career ended the day I walked off that floor, we lost in, in Charlotte, you know, as sad as that day is, um, I still can't be, uh, it'd be wrong for me to not be grateful for what I've done and where I've been and where, where I, where I'm going to go eventually, you know, with my life, who knows my son, like I said, could be a seven footer and he could take me around the world someday too. So, you know, it's, it's grateful for everything that, that the biggies gave to me and, 
and you know you don't get a whole lot of conversation with those biggies people but you know at the end of the day I, all i can do is say thank you for for the opportunities and thank you to the university obviously matt giving me an opportunity because you know i was a I was a 6'10 skinny kid from Berlin, Wisconsin, who had a population of 5,000 people. And, you know, we had, uh, we had, uh, the ride your tractor to school day kind of thing. You know, we were, uh, we were, uh, we're a small school from a, from a small area and a small school to, to live the big city dream and to do what I did and play in front of thousands and millions of people on TV. It's just something that you dream of. So to fulfill that dream, uh, it'd be wrong of me to not be grateful for that. And I mean, Toby, I, I mean, I'm in terms of being grateful to it. I mean, it's funny. I hit you up not long after, uh, like I ran to Jordan Scurry at the Big East tournament um, <laughs> earlier this year. And, uh, yeah, uh, because I, I, I remember I saw you like the tweet that where, you know, he tweeted out that the fact that we linked up and I'm like, you know what? I think I can get this guy on and I want to have this guy on. And uh, it's funny. It's, you followed me back really quickly and it was great. You know, it took some time to finally, you know, get it up, you know, make it all happen. But um, I'm, I'm really glad that it did. Obviously it got delayed with the birth of your baby boy and you know, busy being on the AAU circuit. I totally understand, but Hey, you know, some things are worth the wait. Toby, uh, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you coming on. This is one of the more enjoy some about you, some about you creating people that make the most entertaining interviews. So uh, I appreciate it as always, man, be good. Um, Nothing but what was to you and your family, AAU circuit. And uh, I, I know like if I I know. I mean, listen, if I got to link up with Jordan in real life, I'm, I mean, that's what I want to do with all of y'all that uh, I've had on my show. So I, I know we'll cross paths in real life soon, but I uh, appreciate the time as always, my man. Yeah, eventually, man. We're one of those things that I want to do across off my list is, you know, when we go to New York, we don't really get a, an opportunity to kind of just hang out and enjoy the city and stuff like that. So hopefully once little man gets big enough, we're, we're going to make a trip out to New York and Jordan's my guy. I mean, he'll he'll forever be my guy for the rest of my life. So I'm happy that you got to uh to meet him and hang out with him for a little bit because he's uh him and him and Mitch are they're they're world class people. World class characters, I'll tell you that much. So again, Absolutely. yeah, Toby, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks again for the time, and uh, gonna wrap up this episode with some uh, minor refreshers regarding what's going on in the Biggie's world coming up after this. So welcome back, y'all. Not a lot has happened over the past week around the Big East, but the stuff that has happened, pretty noteworthy. And mainly that is coming from the USA 3-on-3 Nationals on the women's side that happened. that's happened recently. Four Big East teams in that field, and those teams being... St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and last but not least, Creighton. St. John's kind of struggled. Seton Hall was surprisingly really good. Villanova was all right. Obviously not the same without Maddie Segris, but the four that did go, it's a pretty good group. Lucy Olsen, Christina Dalsey, Maddie Burke, and then one more, trying to find who that is now. And it was, wait for it. Aha, Zanae Jones. And they had a pretty good showing there in their own right. 
But obviously, Creighton took the cake. And by cake, I mean the championship of that tournament. And in this setting, Creighton's game could not have been more tailor-made for that setting. You think about the four players that represented Creighton in that event. Lauren Jensen, phenomenal. One of the leading scorers there. And then you add in really the other pillars of that group who are going to be seniors. Molly Mogensen, Morgan Molly, the tournament's most outstanding player, and Emma Ronsick. And they were really, really good in this tournament. They beat some of the very best, including a Big East rival. And who was that team? Trying to figure out who that was. Got to do some digging here. Well, I'll tell you what. Lauren Jensen led every led all scores in this tournament with 48 points. 42 for Molly and Creighton won the final over Duke. 27 uh, 21-17. I almost did the math wrong there cuz you know Let's see who Creighton beat. Ah, yes. Creighton exacting a little revenge on Villanova. You know, it was like a little over a month, almost two months in the making, but hey, revenge is a dish best served cold. And by cold is because it naturally gets cold over two months, almost. But congrats to the four horsewomen of the Creighton Blue Jays. A fantastic four, if you will, of Jensen, Mogensen, Molly, and Ronzik. Now... I was kind of debating if I was going to talk about what happened with Bob Huggins in the news. Especially with it being so recent. But I won't do that. Why? Well, first of all, I want to develop a better opinion on it. Secondly, this episode has already run a long time with that interview that you just heard with Toby Hegner. Not to mention, Bob Huggins isn't coaching in the Big East anymore. I know that his comments concerned Xavier fans. And they were about Xavier fans and using a homophobic slur. Which, I don't need to tell you that because you already know this. But I just won't go into it yet. Do I plan on saying something about it? Uh, probably. But we'll see. 
But that's going to do it for this episode of the Igloo. Um, plans for the future? Well, TBT's coming up in just a couple months. Hopefully going to generate some content from there. You know, get you ready for TBT. You know, there's going to be another TBT regional at CentOS in July. So definitely want to get somebody from Zip em Up to talk about it. You know, on the on that subject, you know, uh, since I just brought up Xavier with the whole Bob Huggins situation. But I just want to thank uh, Toby Hegner once again uh, for a just a fantastic interview. I know it's a long one, but, you know, if you got a long commute, if you're going to work or maybe you're traveling on the road or where whatever, if you've got a, some time to kill and you want to hear a really good interview, just raw and real. This is an interview you want to listen to. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and I'll catch you all next time right here on The Igloo.